When I was growing up, my dad had a 64 and a half Mustang. It was blue. We said it was Duke blue and it was the, his first car. He and my pawpaw had spent time um, putting it back together again. My pawpaw was a lifelong mechanic and this was a great project. They rebuilt the engine. They even put seatbelts in the back seat, which was good news for my brother and I. Um, and we would go out in this car together, but only on special occasions. We used to go on a Sunday drive and it couldn't really have to be on a Sunday. It could be on a Saturday, but my dad would come in the house and say, let's go on a Sunday drive. And so we'd pile into the Mustang, my brother and I, ready for a long car ride to really nowhere in particular. You know, I don't even know if my dad really knew where we we're gonna end up. It kind of felt like we were just driving and meandering and exploring and really just spending time together with the windows down and in the back seat, our hair whirling around in our faces and just enjoying spending time. Many times we'd look out the windows, we'd see the sights that maybe we never had noticed before, or we'd find new places that we didn't know existed, or we'd see different parts of the country, um, the countryside that we had never seen before. You know, this idea of the Sunday drive um, was probably something that came out of my father's childhood. It wasn't something that I know many other people my age really experienced, um, but it was, it was a neat and special time to spend time in a special car going down the road. You know, when I think about these Sunday drives now, I think about the peacefulness that we experienced in that car. That no matter what else was happening in life, no matter what the frustrations were or what the situations were as a family, when we were in that car on that drive, we were at peace and we enjoyed spending time together. So we're rounding out this series on soul care right now. We're finishing up um, talking about how our souls are in need of God's presence. Um, we're finishing up discussing how we can tend to our souls and um, how we read our Bibles and spend time in prayer. And, and Keith just talked about this past week about how relationships matter and how these soul relationships help guide us in our faith. And so for this last sermon, we're going to be talking about how worship tends to our souls. People have been gathering in groups within communities for worship for centuries, <laughs> pretty much since the beginning of time, I would think. And although worship has changed dramatically over the years, some things remain true. People are drawn together to consider the mysteries of God. You know, within the many pages of our very Bibles, we read about how worship has changed over the years as God's people have continued to be developed and learn who God is and how to enter and engage in worship. And God helps alongside of that um, over the, the, the generations. You know, we see a people and read stories about how God's people built altars to the Lord as they continued to walk through the wilderness or came upon a beautiful site where they felt God's presence and God told them to build an altar or at the foot in the base of a mountain or the top of a hill. You know, we see of people creating worship spaces. You know, the God of the, of, of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness was a God whose worship space traveled. <laughs> 
was set up when they, when they made camp and God's presence resided amongst the people. And then they would pack it up again and, and create a new sanctuary elsewhere. And as the evolution of time continued and as the people continued to evolve um, and the culture changed, um, they created a worship space um, that was a little more permanent and created this beautiful temple. And in this worship space, um, they could come and share with God's mysteries and talk and to learn and to sing and do all those things that we consider our worship life today. But of course, that temple was destroyed and they had to consider again, how can you worship when your temple is destroyed, when God's very house is gone? And the people were scattered in different countries of, with different customs and different religions. And they had to find a way to grapple at finding a way to find a place to worship together. So then we hear about other holy spaces of worship, um, the synagogues in which Jesus spent time. You know, we hear about these places of learning and of reading of the holy scriptures, of opening the scrolls and having rabbis discuss and teach with one another. And it's in the, one of these very worship spaces um, where Jesus hangs back from his family and, and spends time discussing the, the scrolls, the holy scriptures with the rabbis, um, intentionally maybe leaving his family behind or they left him behind um, and wondering where he had been all that time. So these worship spaces and the ways we worship have evolved and changed um, as we have evolved and changed. But the central notion of who God is and why we worship has not changed. You know, these new worship practices have continued to um, be created over time. And as we look at the New Testament, we see a new people of Christ followers who are committed to worshiping Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, um, the one who, who died and was resurrected and brought this new message of gospel um, to the people. And yet they're confused about where to hold their worship. You know, we hear of them worshiping in houses. We hear of them worshiping in large gatherings or in the synagogues together and trying to find a way to, um, to, to connect and to sing these spiritual songs and, and uh, understand how to be the Christian church together. So these, these new practices have echoes uh, in our worship services today. These early Christians trying to figure out how to worship God together and the format in which they, they manage their worship service, um, that's true to how we worship together today. Um, sharing in prayer, reading our scriptures, affirming our faith, listening to a teacher, um, share about the Holy Word, and inviting the Spirit of God to be among us. You know, we have all these familiar worship patterns that we have developed, and we, we have these understandings of how we feel is the right way um, or the most fruitful way to worship, um, except sometimes these situations change. As I've thought about it, you know, I'm talking to a cell phone on a tripod with a good friend who pushes the right buttons and makes sure I sound good and look good, and I'm, yet this sermon that I am talking about right in this very moment is worship. Our worship online for YouTube is this strange, mysterious mixture of teleportation and, and time travel where 
we can share in God's mysteries and God's love and understanding God's presence in our lives over all of these different barriers that we might have seen before. We were forced to worship this way, yet God continually meets us and our souls are tended to and we, our faith is encouraged and God works in the midst of all of these strange complexities that are our lives together. You know, worship is a beautiful thing, and it is something that our soul yearns for. When we haven't been able to worship together, it, our souls ached. And I remember feeling that feeling for so long when we weren't able to gather together. But I am so thankful that we can worship this way, aren't you? So in our scripture lesson today, in Colossians chapter 3, the people in the church of Colossae are trying to figure out what it means to be Christian, what it means to live as Christ followers. And so within the context of these people in this letter, um, in this mail that is sent to them, they are told to have Christ rule in their hearts and set their minds on things above. So I'd like to share with you um, just again, just a little bit from chapter 3, um, verse, beginning with verse 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, putting these things into practice can be a daunting task. You know, as I was reading that and as I read it every time, I consider all the ways in which I'm not quite measuring up in those areas. Because it's very difficult to live that kind of life, um, to constantly be in that state of, um, of, Christi of Christianity, of Christian faith, and where we're, we're feeling like we are right in our stride with God. So when I think about it, I, I think, you know, this letter is not to Becky Brown. This letter is to an entire church. This letter is to a, a people who are set out together to support one another in Christ's love. And so when I consider that, I think, you know, we really need one another. And we need the connection of our own souls. And we need that in our worship space together. Because it's when we come together to worship, that's where our souls connect with God and connect with each other. So worship, whether it's in a gym on a stage or in a sanctuary with a pipe organ or outdoors in some beautiful place or in the context of a hospital room or a nursing home or at the bedside or when we gather with good friends in our own homes, 
These are the spaces in which our souls come alive, where the Holy Spirit is present, where we are being taught, where we are, um, our souls are being enriched, where we are being drawn closer to God and one another. Whenever we gather together in Christ's name, we do so because our souls are almost magnetic to one another and to God's presence. So we are plucked out of our world, wherever that is, for a brief time to come together as a room full of scattered Christians to gather for one purpose in Christ's name. We come together as we sing the word of our faith, as we read the word, as we hear it proclaimed, as we affirm our faith. All of these things are done as we, as we pray together. And our souls need to engage in this regular rhythm of worship um, because we need to be separated from that whirlwind of life. We need to be set all of those things aside and exist in this space of worship. You know, our United Methodist Book of Worship says, This time is both an outward and visible gathering of the people and an inward and spiritual gathering, a focusing of awareness that they are a people gathered in the presence of the God known to us through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I have fond memories of those Sunday drives with our family, but it's been a long time since I've been on one. Maybe it's just gotten out of practice, or maybe it's because we have three children and piling everybody into the car and meandering around for a long period of time sounds like familial torture. (laughs) But, you know, I think about that practice often because I remember how it brought us together. You know, it's on those drives that our family reconnected. We weren't worried about our overly scheduled lives. We weren't managing our stress. We were simply taking time from our scattered lives to be brought back together. So worship with the body of Christ is like that. Having a regular rhythm of gathering together shapes our souls in unimaginable ways. Our souls need to be united with God and with one another, and we do that when we come into a space, wherever that is, whenever that is, to worship God together. What's important is that we carve out that time with intentionality to spend spend together time with God, to worship in spirit and in truth. So worship helps us to center our souls. Worship helps us to navigate our souls and understand them better. Worship helps us to recognize God's presence and to marvel at God's handiwork in this world. And worship holds us up when we are struggling so badly that we can't stand up on our own. Within a world of constant uncertainty and change, this is a place that I find solace, is worshiping with you, worshiping together. Because I know for certain that God always meets us there, and I am so thankful for that fact that that will never change. Thanks be to God.